This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. The hackers are hacking every single day. You do a once a year penetration test, and let's just say you do fix what is found, then the next day is obsolete. So doing a penetration test is not the most efficient way to solve your problem. Is it time to reconsider commonly held cybersecurity strategies? Our guest today is Corey White, the co-founder and CEO of Cyvatar, which provides cybersecurity as a service for its customers. With over two decades of experience in the cybersecurity industry, Corey shares his thoughts on how a typical detection and response strategy and the notion of a single penetration test are not adequate solutions at all to constant threats in the cybersecurity world. Tune in to hear his long-term solution, as well as his ideas on protecting SMBs in the remote era. Corey White, welcome to the show. Albert, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this chat. Listen, we're going to dive into your experience, the platform, the company, all that good stuff. But before we do that, it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Corey, this is where we ask you some fun questions so our audience can get to know you a little better. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, man. What do you like doing outside of work? Oh, that's hard. Um, I I work too much, but when I'm not working, this sounds horrible. It's not even cool or sexy. I I, I like to meditate. I like I like to meditate and just chill, hang out with my wife and kids, and I like to drink. So simple. All right, listen, <laughs> listen. I've tried meditating. I find it very challenging. What is a tip you would give to someone who needs to learn how to meditate and how do they clear their mind? How do they truly do it? All right. Um, I, I still haven't mastered clearing my mind. I have uh, my brain operates at a high beta all the time. Uh, you see that with a lot of founders. So um, I have to do guided meditations. So the whole turning your brain off and focusing on breathing thing, I haven't mastered yet either. So <laughs> I'm working on it. I got some other techniques I'm going to do, but I do guided meditations. And one of my favorite ones is the six phase meditation. You can Google it, but it's a guided one. 20 minutes, you're done. You've created your life, your day. Oh, that is awesome. I guess, how long does it take to get better at that? Because you mentioned before that whole clearing your mind thing is very difficult to do. How quickly will you see results from that? Immediately. So I, I meditate pretty much every single morning. And the thing is, is that when I look at my day, I look at my calendar, and then I meditate on the outcomes of my meetings that are on my calendar, then I've already sent out to the universe what I want those outcomes to be, as opposed to just randomly going into the day, I've actually set an intention for the day. And so that's, I think, absolutely critical in, in building a, a successful life, not even job, just life, um, set intentions for what you want to actually happen. Okay. So you sound like very typical to like some of the other founders we've had on our show, very focused, very driven. You've mentioned you before you do the meditation, helps you in work, in life. I'm curious, were you always like this? What were you like when you were a kid? <laughs> the reason why I sound like other founders, I think that it, being a founder, being an entrepreneur, um, uh, just a driven individual, life knocks you down. OK, and, and there's some of the best things that can happen to you. I call it getting punched in the mouth. Right. And everybody, like you say, they what is everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. That's right. And, and that's so true. And and um, I've had you know my my share of being punched in the mouth, knocked back, knocked down. But here's the beauty of it. The beauty is when you get back up, because then you've overcome that. Next time that that the person tries to punch you, you're going to sidestep it. You're going to dodge it. 
And so you're ready until you get that next punch, the next bigger person punches. Then you get knocked down. You're like, all right, damn. So then you got to get back up. And so life is about a process of going through that. And what, what I've learned in, in my, my 50 years of being in existence here on earth is that at the end of the day, we came into this world thinking, uh, I'm going to have a cake life. It's going to be easy. I'm going to you know, go and get my degree and I'll get a great job. And then, you, know, you live this glamorous life that you see on TV. But I believe that our souls are here to um, go through the hard things so you can get to the other side and progress and get better and improve yourself as you go through this journey, not have an easy cake life. Well, listen, the history is written by the victors, right? The people that are able to overcome and persevere. I got to ask you questions. I caught a little nugget in your answer just a moment ago. I want to make sure I clarify this. Did you just say you're 50 years old? I'm 50 in July. Yes. You are the youngest looking 50 year old man on the face of the earth. If anyone wants to know the power of meditation, what it could do for you, apparently it can help you look young, man. My man, you dude, you you are like the youngest, got to be the healthiest looking 50 year old I've ever met. Well, it goes back to being punched in the mouth. In my 20s, <laughs> um, I had every kind of autoimmune disease you could imagine. I was. Wow. Oh, I was, I was bad. I was in bad shape. Right. And so life, had, I had to figure out how to live life. That's why I meditate. Because I was stressed about every little simple thing. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't taking care of myself. Wasn't working out. Wasn't doing any of those things. So the reason why I look the way I look is because um, I got punched in the mouth so bad <laughs> that I had to redo everything. And, and now I'm a biohacker and I do a lot of healthy things. Um, I don't believe in absolutes. And I think a lot of people have a hard, hard time. Well, I'm never going to do this. Like people say, oh, like I, I say, I don't drink soft drinks, but I may have like one or two, maybe five a year. But I'm not drinking like six a day. Right. So yeah. I believe in, in absolutes of saying I'm never going to do something, but I just limit everything's in real extreme moderation and and you control what you do. One last thing I'll leave you with, you know, there's there's some new science out there uh, that actually is old science goes back to the you know caveman days. And that's where you hear uh, people talk about intermediate fasting. If you eat 25 percent less, you could live 25 percent longer. OK, because Everything you put in, all that junk, your body has a process, and that, that crap makes you look old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, if you just do those things, they probably can help you. Well, listen, we're excited to have you here on the show. And I've already found a side hustle for you because you could definitely be like a longevity coach or something, man. Like you are killing it here. But we are excited to have you, Corey, today to talk about your company, Cyvatar, and your experience in the cybersecurity space. But before we get going, you know, for our audience who may not be familiar with Cyvatar, tell us what it is. What does the company specialize in and what do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Albert, I got to um, tie back to what we talked about previously, because that's what drives what, what we do as a company. So one of my principles in life is I try my best to be 100% the same person, whether it be work or home, just in life. You, you see everybody, you know, a lot of people, they'll go and you're like, oh, this is work, Corey, or this is home, Corey, or whatever. That's hard. Because, you know, me as, as, a, as a founder, as, as, as a Black founder, going into work and then fitting into the other constructs that are there, I'm not going to fit in. And so I just got to go in and be me and, and use that as my strength. And so how that ties into business, okay? My, my key point in life is I want to make sure that I'm making it better, not worse. So tie it in the Savitar. And, and there are many um, cybersecurity companies that, that probably will, will disagree at a certain level. But yeah. 
we as a cybersecurity industry, after being in the cybersecurity industry for 27 years, um, we're not trying to stop cyber attack. Okay. You know, let that marinate. Like, why would we not try to stop cyber attacks? And the obvious answer is when you think about how much money you can make off of uh, incidents or compromise, um, you know, companies, um, there, there's a lot of upside there. I mean, it's one, one time when I think, uh, you know, WannaCry hit, my, my division of, of the company I was working for at the time, we did like, you know, like 15 million when WannaCry hit. Right. And, and like mm. a quarter, you know, which was really amazing. Uh, but it was off of what we call the insecurity of security. Companies get hacked and then all the purse strings open up and they spend more money. But if you stop the hacks and get these companies secure, then, you know, all that money stops flowing. Right. And, and so I'll give you a, an example that happens in cybersecurity. It's this um, phrase that you'll see out there if you Google around called detect and respond. And what that means is let's use this in an analogy for your house. So, Everett, you don't, hopefully not, use a detect and respond strategy for your home. What that means is you're not making sure your front doors and windows and are closed and locked all the time. You have like a ring camera that's focused on your door. And every time somebody walks into your house, it detects it and sends you an alert. Okay. Then what happens in cybersecurity when, when we do a lot of alerting is called alert fatigue. And so you, you yeah, Google these false positives. Yeah, exactly. So you Google alert fatigue and their companies say, we solve alert fatigue. Well, think about it. What if you just closed and locked your door? You wouldn't get that many <laughs> alerts. Okay. <laughs> Let me translate that in cybersecurity. If you don't want to get hacked, don't have any critical or high risk vulnerabilities. Use multi-factor authentication on everything and block the execution of malware ransomware on your endpoints. That's the equivalent of closing and locking your door. And so I figured that out over you know, my career is that we've made it too hard to actually secure ourselves. And we pivoted to a detection and a response type of strategy instead of just fixing it. And the biggest attack surface um, out there is a small to medium sized businesses. I literally left um, um, RSA, a huge cybersecurity conference last weekend, um, San Francisco, and, and they had, you know, 4,000 vendors there, all chasing out to the Fortune 1000. Yeah, enterprise. They all want to go enterprise, baby. Exactly. So why would I go after those 1,000 when the SMB market is, is just wide open? There's almost no competition. And it's the biggest attack, uh, you know, surface for the hackers. They're like, oh, let's go after these SMBs because they have almost no security. <laughs> so so that's, that's why we built Cybertar. Cybertar is a subscription-based, effortless cybersecurity solution where we bring in enterprise-grade cybersecurity, you know, um, solutions and implement them all for one fixed price. So we don't sell products or services. We only sell solutions that are tied to an outcome of you being secure within 90 days. Okay. So I want to dive into a little bit about like what you just said. Yeah. But for our audience who's not familiar with Corey, if you haven't got a chance to look him up a little bit, I'll give you a little plug on his background. Corey has served as SVP of Worldwide Consulting, Chief Experience Officer at Silence. He's been the directors at McAfee Intel Professional Services. He's done multiple consulting gigs in cybersecurity. So Corey is very versed in this. I got to ask you a question. What you just said regarding, hey, instead of looking for all these detection threats, just lock things off, right? Like close, like you mentioned it with your analogy, hey, close the door. Yeah. It sounds so simple to say. Why is it hard to do? Because it must be hard to do because people keep leaving the doors open, Corey. <laughs> it must be harder than it, than it sounds. Why do you think, is it an education thing? Is it um, 
Is it a time and effort thing? Is it a mismatched financial incentive thing? Like, why is it that more SMBs, why don't they focus more on keeping you know, their network secure, their infrastructure secure, their data secure? Because this is definitely a priority for the enterprise. Why do you think SMBs overlook it? Yeah, yeah. You know, for this business to be successful, I had to figure that out. The burning question is, is why? And, and I, I spent, you know, so many, you know, literally nights, weekends, just researching, better understanding this and even interviewing a lot of my CISO friends and, and, and people that have been in the industry. And so here's where it breaks, breaks down into it. it. It actually is a bunch of things. Number one, uh, just to be clear, there, there's a huge financial incentive to not solve the problem. OK, so that's that's one. <laughs> but on whose side, like me, the, me, the customer, like it can't possibly be good for me to not solve the problem. I got to I got to think solving the problem is good for me. I can understand the industry, but like I got to feel like I need to solve it. <laughs> yeah, you're 100 percent correct. So I built this business model. I flipped it upside down. I said, OK, I'm Corey White. I'm a cybersecurity professional, been in the industry for at that time, you know, 23, 24 years. If I were to do security for a small to medium sized company, how would I do it? Okay. Right. And so I started really digging through the industry and looking at it. And that's how I designed Savitar, you know, also with the help of my co-founder, um, you know, Craig Goodwin. Craig is um, has been a CISO for 20 years at large enterprises. And he'll be the first one to tell you, you know, in many cases, you know, he failed because, you know, he bought all these tools and, and he just couldn't get them all to come into a central platform. So he had to build a platform. So we were fighting the same battle from both sides and us coming together to solve it is critical. But let me continue back with, um, you know, why this hasn't been done. If you go to Black Hat, which is a hacker conference in, in Las Vegas uh, in, in first week of August, Black Hat DEF CON. And, and so this is a lot of fun. And I've been going for 20 years. Love it. Right. But it's not a remediation. We fix things conference. It is we hack into things. How, here's how we hack. And so I'll be the first one to tell you because I've done penetration testing. It's fun. It is cool. You know, say we got in, we got domain, admin, root, we got everything. Within 30 minutes, we completely own this network. It is fun to do. It is not necessarily fun and cool and sexy to go and say, oh, we just applied all these patches and locked down all of these systems. <laughs> no, nobody's going to give you any attention. You go out you know, to the club and say, look what I just did. No, nobody cares. So is that. And then you know, the, the last one is, and unfortunately, it's, it's a um, perception that is, to your point, it used to be hard to do. But you know, a few things have changed, let's say, in the last five or 10 years. Uh, they had this really cool thing called the cloud came out, right? <laughs> and, and so you can cloud manage you know, systems like anywhere in the world, put an agent on it, and they just check in. So it gives you more control over your environment. The other cool thing that you know, came out, and these were core tenants for our technology partners, um, is APIs. So I don't have to log into some clunky interface. I can actually control and manipulate things via API and automate things via API. So those are the things that really, really changed. I'd say, you know, five to seven years ago, we couldn't build this business model. This is a, a right now, you know, this time is the right time for this model um, to work and for us to bring it to fruition. Last thing I'll say is what myself and my co-founder Craig did is we, we sat down like, what is the future of cybersecurity? And the future is already here and it's here in very simple examples. You look at Netflix, I think everybody knows what that is, but they don't all understand the backstory. 
In, in cybersecurity, we have this thing called people, process, and technology. Think about it and supply that to Netflix. They, they came out in 1997. You know, the people part is just their employees are simple. The technology is actually the movies, the content. They weren't making any content in 1997. Okay. Yeah, they were shipping DVDs. Yeah, exactly. What you just said, that is a process. They put Blockbuster out of business with a better process to get the end consumer to the outcome of watching a movie. Okay. Because right now I can press a button on my phone right now. I can stream a movie with Netflix right now. That is me getting to the outcome. And so in cybersecurity, where we are broken is that if you do um, first principle thinking and you ask, you know, why five to seven times, you say, I'm doing this penetration test, right? You do a penetration test and you're like, well, Albert, why'd you do a penetration test? You said, well, I want to know. Um, yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. If you, if you pen test, let's say mission network. Yeah. We would do that to identify vulnerabilities and to test to see if our current existing security is, uh, I guess, up to snuff or good enough. Okay. Why? Uh, because we don't want our information taken. Why? Because we're a content entertainment company. And if our entertainment, we don't have PII information, but if our you know, files got released or something like that, like we would lose our ability to like surprise and delight. The entertainment industry is very much about scooping and being first, right? Like you don't want to be second. Okay. All right, I could go wide a couple more times, but let me ask you a question. So if you don't want your um, data getting out and getting exposed ahead of time, is penetration testing the, the most efficient way to, to stop that? It just tells you what's wrong. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Does that, I guess I'm only testing what I think is a vulnerability. I'm not actually checking to see like, where are my vulnerabilities? Yeah. I don't know. So, so Albert, wouldn't you just fix your vulnerabilities? Isn't that the faster, more efficient way? Because 50 new vulnerabilities come out every single day. And so if you did a penetration test yesterday and 50 new vulnerabilities come out today, some of them will apply to you. And last time I checked, um, and this again, the hackers are hacking every single day. You do a once a year penetration test, and let's just say you do fix what is found, then the next day is obsolete. So doing a penetration test is not the most efficient way to solve your problem. So when I hear you say that, it makes total sense. But I'm, I can see where, from my perspective as a customer, is why they lean towards pen testing. Because you, you, can, you, know, like, you can say, hey, why wouldn't you just lo lock down your network systems or your file storage systems so that you can ensure that it doesn't get out, right? And, and by the way, we actually had a, um, a long time ago, I almost closed a deal with Time Warner Entertainment. And there was one thing contractually that we couldn't get across the finish line. And that's because they had uncapped liability. They said, their vendors have to have it. They're in, in security. And we said, why is that? Uncapped. Like, that makes no sense. We're doing social media. And they said, do you understand that if you release my movie early, like, you let that come out early, I lose hundreds of millions of dollars. At the time, uh, they were going to drop Man of Steel or whatever. So, like, we need to know that we're protected because we're, if we're going to store our movie in your filing system, you better not let it come out. Yeah. And I was like, dang. Maybe I'm not that good. <laughs> start questioning. It's like, because yeah, yeah. I could see why a Time Warner Entertainment would want that. It's like, yeah, oh. of course I want that. Like, you, you, you got, it. you can't let my movie come out because you. I'm thinking like it's just a file. Like, who cares? But no, when they said it like that, I was like, oh dang. I can see how a customer says, hey, I need pen testing because I don't actually know if I have vulnerabilities. You know what I mean? Like, I can see how they would say that. Well, think about it. Let's let's go back and um because. 
I, most of my career, I did penetration testing. My team did penetration testing. I've probably done thousands, right? Um, but let's go back. I love making this personal. Let's take it back to a house analogy. So let's say if we we do today, we do a, a security assessment on your house. So we'll walk around, check your doors yeah. and your windows, and then we give some recommendations where you can have better logs here. You can have better monitoring here and give you detailed recommendations. And then we say, all right, Albert, tonight we're going to penetration test your house, meaning we're going to try to break in. Okay. Okay. And so to make it up a scenario, I don't know, say one of your kids leaves one of their downstairs windows open and then we get into your house, we penetrate your house. You close that, that window. It only applies to one point in time and your environment is going to change on a continuous basis. That's right. So if you actually want to do penetration testing, then why wouldn't you say, all right, I'm going to automate my house. I'm going to make sure my doors and windows are closed automatically whenever I leave. So I know that actually continuously happens. And then I will continually scan for risk uh, with my house because it's a continually changing environment. And networks, especially today in cloud environments, are changing every single day. The one-time penetration test is obsolete the next day. In a house environment or in a network environment, it's obsolete because everything's in motion. And the logic of us doing one-time penetration testing, they came out in like the the, the 2000s, early, uh, late 90s, where networks didn't change that much. And you had a firewall, it it secured everything. Now everything is open, the cloud exists, nobody's behind firewalls. So it's a very dynamic environment. We're using an old school uh, mentality that is obsolete today. So that's why we don't do it. We fix it. I just got a Fed RFP recently. If you think we're behind, they're like, yo, they're in, <laughs> they're in the Stone Age. I saw a Fed RFP for this. So that's a great point you brought up because more than ever, I think everyone on the listens to the show 100% is going to agree that we integrate technologies all the time now. And what's interesting now about what, the way we do business, meaning people just in general, people do business today that's unlike what you mentioned before, network security, the enterprises of before is the fact that anybody can grant access to anything, to another technology. And we all do. We all integrate you know, tools to talk to each other. And so like, I, I like what you're saying. It's like, the, basically every day you're opening and closing like windows, like you said. There's never a day where basically tool A is not sharing data with at least tool B, probably tool B through Z, right? Like there's right. all kinds of data flow happening. We, you know, we already kind of talked about it, especially like in today's work environment. Like I'll use Mission. Hopefully no one hacks us, but we have nothing to hack anyways. Uh, But Ali's mission, you know, we're a hybrid company and we are a small business. So as with a lot of small businesses, and I'm sure you've already run into this, like we don't have standardized equipment. So everyone is using whatever router we use, right? Like we, all of our services are typically cloud managed. We have multiple devices. We're a bring your own device company as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't have like lockdown software on everybody. We kind of are a process oriented company where everyone's got, you know, mandatory 2FA to their cloud credentials and so on. But that's probably very similar to a lot of other SMBs. Give us an idea of how Silence, the solutions work, like because you're talking about different routers, different equipment, different networks, some cloud, some on-prem access, different user permissions based upon like our user permissions are usually set at the service level. So we actually will set our permissions, you know, like who gets ads access, who gets storage access, who gets... Uh, recording access, right? So, but we typically set that at the individual tools. We don't use SSO. Um, maybe that's bad too. <laughs> Give us an idea of how Savitari works and oversees all of this. Yeah, people like to think that their 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 networks are very different, but you know they they actually are quite similar. So now, what you have to do is think of it in this new world 
what's going to be attacked is your endpoints, right? And because the firewall is dead, I did a great talk a, a few years ago called "The Firewall Is Dead." So um, that's that's relevant because you guys leave your office and you go home, you go, you know, coffee shops everywhere you're connected, right? So the firewall you have there in the office is is irrelevant for the most part. Yeah. And so the only thing that actually secures you is, and I, I'm glad that you said that you have two FA. Uh, multi-factor authentication, you know, that's critical for everything you log in. Your personal banking accounts, your Gmail, you know, you know, Microsoft Office 365, G Suite, everything. So make sure that's across the board because I'll tell you right now, your passwords are compromised. Okay. Yeah. My passwords are compromised. Okay. Everybody I've heard that. I've heard other cybersecurity experts say just assume that someone knows who you are. Like Yeah, exactly. If you cuz you would behave differently. If you knew your password was known, then how would you behave? Yeah, exactly. So you need to have something you you have uh, and something you know, right? So you know your password and you have your phone or whatever you use for that second factor of authentication. So that's number one. Number two, and this is a huge mistake that, that people make, and I'll tie it also into compliance as an example. People are like, well, I'm compliant with so-and-so standard, and the standard may say you need to have antivirus on every single um, system, and you may do that. So that means you'll go out and you'll buy the cheapest antivirus out there and you put it on every <laughs> single system, okay? Box checked, we're secure, good. Well, antivirus was originally built in 1987, and it uses legacy signatures. Um, let me just, just, yes, maybe the hackers have figured out how to get around that. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe like 20 years ago, they figured out how to get around that really, really easily. But there are next generation AV solutions that, that use artificial intelligence that have the ability to block the execution of malware and ransomware and whatever you may accidentally click on. Because let's just face it, phishing is going to eventually work. So if you got, you know, mm. 50 people and they all get a phishing email, you just need one to work. Okay. You don't need all of them. Right. And so then the malware is in your environment and, and you're done. So you have to actually block the execution of malware. Now let's rewind back to the beginning of the conversation where we talked about the managed detection and response. So if I have an advanced antivirus solution that uses AI that can be configured to block the execution of malware, but I don't do that. I just use it from a detection-only perspective. It will detect that ransomware or whatever malicious software is there. You'll get an alert in the next second your system is encrypted. Okay? That's, that's the equivalent of saying I've got the most you know, secure alarm system, advanced door lock I possibly can um, have at my house, but I don't actually lock the door. Okay? I just have it you know, in monitor-only mode, right? And so that's what we're doing in cybersecurity. And so that's where most small, medium-sized business are failing. They don't have proper endpoint protection. The other one is, I know that you know this happens about at least once a month, but there was a, a Microsoft uh, MSDT you know, vulnerability called Kalina. And any Microsoft system can get be accessed, period, okay, if you don't patch it. And so just like a typical SMB, and you don't have to answer this, most, most companies, they don't have a regular patching process. So if you aren't patching and taking care of critical vulnerabilities on an ongoing basis and you have a, a Windows system, you can get compromised right now today pretty much instantly sitting on the internet. And I'm not saying that to scare you. That's just the truth. See, I feel like a clown because I don't even know who has Windows on our company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's another point, right? And if you look at any cybersecurity best practice standard, the first thing is, 
you can't secure what you don't know you have, right? So you need to know, um, have asset inventory, and there's some fantastic tools that, that are out there. We, we do that for our customers automatically. And then you need to know what's running on those systems. So if I know you're running you know, this application and it has a critical vulnerability on it, then I know we need to patch it. So we solve all of that in an automated fashion because what I just told you is not complicated. It's fairly easy to automate with the right people, process, and technology. So what about companies that are used bring your own device? Because bring your own device is becoming more prevalent, especially in startups, right? Like when, when uh, you know, let's say sub $5 million in revenue, bring your own device is actually quite prevalent. As far as I know, right? I'm sure there's companies that don't because who wants to, you know, who wants to incur that CapEx to ensure standardized equipment for everybody? I've seen multiple SMBs. That's how they run it, right? And so your point, like you can't secure what you don't know you have. A BYOD company has no idea what people have. <laughs> exactly. So that becomes a business risk, you know, decision, right? Because if if I'm running a business, which I am here, and I decide that I don't care what your device is, and you can bring whatever into the organization, I'm exposing our business to risk. Two ways you can do it: either obviously you buy devices for everybody, or you you simply say, okay. Um, keep your own device, but we have to secure your own that device. And so that's something you can build into the employment contract or whatever and say, hey, and, and that person should welcome it because, um, you know, how many people do we all know that have been personally hacked? OK, they should welcome it because it, it will help them. Yeah, I see on Facebook every day, four ninety nine Ray-Bans. So somebody yeah. every day is getting hacked in some way personally. <laughs> I was about to say, I like your shades you have on you, but okay. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. People are getting people are getting compromised at some level, probably all the time. Kind of like what you said before. Just assume your password is someone has it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I just gave you, you know, three-step formula, um, multi-factor authentication, um, proper import protection and blocking, and, and patching. Like those are really basic things. And, and that is a basic pack- package on our website that we offer for our, our small to medium-sized um, companies. And it's absolutely turnkey. And so that's how we're able to serve those companies. One last really important point is, is the SMB market is price sensitive. Yeah. And I get it. And so what we did, which is very, very different from the rest of the industry, is we don't go through value-added resellers. That's just like, you know, I want to watch this new, you know, Netflix movie, like you said, you know, uh, <laughs> the new Tom Cruise movie just came out, right? I want to watch it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to stream it right now. I'm going to go to Target or Walmart and pay and buy the movie and then bring it home. But think about it, Target and Walmart, they have a markup, Right. Forward. That's right. Okay. And so you're paying the markup. So in cybersecurity, if you want to be secure, if we went through these value-added resellers, you get a markup of 20 to 40%. So we're still able to give best of breed cybersecurity products um, cheaper than some of our competitors because that markup is in there. I mean, that's the reality of it. A lot of software companies don't want to offer the services and a lot of services companies don't have access to the tools. So it, whether you go to a you call them VARs, right? You we'll just call them vendors. Whether you go to a partner, whoever's missing the other part typically has to will upcharge you for the other half, right? Which is tools and services, exactly. right? Like that, that's always going to happen. Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head. We're tools and services in one. We're not using some other entity. So we are cheaper and more efficient. We are absolutely the fastest way to be secure. So I had to you know, again re-engineer the model to get the future of cybersecurity so it can solve the problem for the masses. Yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, of course, this show is sponsored. And one of the things that Salesforce did recently is they went and talked to over 300 CIOs 
And this was regarding the top data security trends for 2022. And I have to ask you what your opinion is. So one of the questions they asked was, in the last 18 months, what are your three main pain points in data security? And they all said, hey, the participants ranked third-party app management at number one, compliance and regulation, number two, and then mobile device security, number three, which is what we've been talking about <laughs> for the big best part about this conversation, right? Third-party app management, compliance and regulation, so that's usually like business and process. Mobile device security, that's a lot of times bring your own device as the three major concerns. Is there something that you think that should, uh, they should also be concerned with coming up in the next year beyond those three? So third-party app management, compliance and regulations, and mobile device security. Is there anything else you see on the horizon that, hey, CISOs need to pay attention to this? Yeah, actually, I don't fully agree with those, those three. It's a few things. If you think third parties, yes. Um, and that's, that's a very, not, not sure who the sample size is, but if I'm a large com- company, my biggest risk is my third party. Um, it's called third party risk assessments, but those ones that are connecting to our, our network, right? That's how, you know, you know, Target got breached and some of these big breach happens because they'll hack into a third party that has access and then they, they'll uh, escalate privileges and, you know, continue pillaging through the network. So that, that is a, a huge breach. But here's the thing. There's, there's something that I, I think the world needs to understand. In cybersecurity, there's this thing called dwell time, okay? I feel like I understand what you're about to say, but tell us, what is dwell time? So uh, for the longest, uh, the dwell time, depending on the, the year of the survey, let's just say, is between 200 to 300 days, okay? What that means is it's the time from when you actually got hacked to the time that you detected you were hacked, okay? It's 200 to 300 days, just give you that range. So what does that tell us? It's that nobody's detecting that they've gotten hacked, <laughs> right? Because the hackers historically have been quite stealthy and, and their goal is to get in historically and get say credit card data or exfiltrate some confidential data. Here's the clincher, dwell time is dropping at a really, really fast rate. Do you know why? You want to take a stab at why? Why? I have no clue. All right. So wait, the time from hack to detection. Yeah. The hackers want you to know that, you know, that you've been compromised earlier. How would that help? Maybe diversion tactic. So if you now focus on this, I'm actually focused here. Is that, no, I'm, they I'm used to do that. They no. used to do like a di- distributed thousand <laughs> service attack um, to, you know, you know, divert you looking at something else while they're doing an attack. But no, check this out. Here's what's happening. Hackers, and one other you know, question to tie into this, I'll ask you, when was the last time you heard of a major credit card theft, like Target, Home Depot, all that? I can't put my fingers on when the last time I heard, but I mean, I remember being like, I was part of like, because I'm a Marriott Rewards member, I was like, hey, yeah. you know, I got the notice that, hey, Marriott systems have been compromised, your information might be out there, mm-hmm. but it never said specifically like, your credit card attack. I don't know. I don't get very many false charges on my credit card, so I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I guess so, I don't pay attention to that. Let part. me tell you what is happening. The reason why that's not in the news is because it's pretty easy to get a credit card kind of you know, canceled and everything else. People have figured it out and yeah. they've got much better fraud pre- prevention. If I'm a hacker, then ransomware is much more lucrative, um, lucrative of an attack um, than than credit cards or anything else. And I've seen more of that for sure. Yes. And the reason for that is tying this back to dwell time. Once I hack in and I figure out, ah, okay, here's your intellectual property. Here are your movies or whatever it is. I'm going to steal that movie. And then, um, and then I'm actually disable your backups. 
Um, look at your like cybersecurity insurance policy, see how much um, your policy is, look at how, in your bank accounts and figure out how much money you have. Then I'm going to set the ransom. And oh, lastly, I'll know what your critical um, systems are and I'm going to encrypt them with ransomware. Okay. And now send you alert. And if I know, all right, Albert, look, you got 250 you know, million dollars in the bank right now. Okay. I know you have it because I logged into your accounts because I had a key logger on your system to see it. Guess what? I'm going to set that ransom really, really high because I know you have that money. I gave a high outlandish number, but at the end of the day, that's that's what they're doing because their their job, think of it as a business. Their job is to make sure they get paid. Yeah. And so if you don't have backups, if I've stolen your movies and I've, I know how much money you actually have, then I can come back. Because when you're negotiating a ransomware incident, I'll tell you how these typically go. We will ask, how do we know that you actually have our data? Because they'll threaten, we're going to take your data and put it on the internet or on the dark web and, yeah. and expose you, right? So it's distortion tied into it as well. How do we know you have your data? They will give you a snippet to show you that they have that data. You know, like, guys, oh, they, they, they're not bluffing. They actually have the data, right? So um, once they do that, then um, you got to negotiate with them and see if you can um, get the ransom down. And that's a process. Yeah, but you said they they check my insurance policy, so they know exactly I got it covered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're guaranteeing they get paid. So that's a more lucrative hack than stealing credit cards and trying to sell them one at a time on the the the, the dark web. It's too hard. It's too hard, right? Like, this is a guarantee hack. I know how much money you got. I know your insurance. I know your bank account. I've stolen your data. You got to release this movie next week. I'm guaranteed. So dwell time is much shorter. It's just the amount of time it takes me to pillage through your network, find out all this data exfiltrated, and then um, encrypt your systems because I want you to know that you got hacked so I can get paid. <laughs> oh, man. Corey, I got to say, man, we've had a lot of cybersecurity guests on this show, but I like how you put it into like events that I think a lot of us can understand because it makes it much more relatable. And and. I really appreciate your perspective on like, okay, this is what they're trying to do. So therefore, this is what we actually have to stop. All these old antiquated things is no longer what they're trying to do. And I guess that's like you suggested at the beginning of the talk. The step one to even solving the problem is you got to recognize what the problem actually is. The problems we keep testing for, as Corey has suggested, are ways of the old. That's not how things are done anymore. And so if you want to have a modern system that is going to protect your business, you got to think like how hackers want to move today. Corey, man, it was awesome having you on the show, man. I appreciate all the stories that you shared. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun as well. I, I love kind of taking you down the path and setting you up. You fell forward every time. And it was so you were a great partner in crime here. This was fun. I didn't fall for anything. I told you how I thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But in a sales process, I'd be right for like, oh, sounds like you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Corey, it was awesome having you on today on IT Visionaries. Yeah, it, it was an honor. Thank you so much for having me.